Yeah, I, I'm Jackson. I have zero experience with carpentry. I studied at a school for historic preservation in Boston and learned about how things were built, you know, 250 years ago. There's a long way to go. I'm nowhere near the top. Not that I thought I was, but there's so much more to do out there. All right. Actually, welcome back to the Passion for Craft <laughs> podcast episode. Um, we are discussing more of your questions and answers, technically part four of the question and answer series, but part two of the YouTube side of the question and answer series. Um, the reason I'm looking at Richard there is he corrected me when we tried this intro the first time, but Brent was on his phone. Classic screenager. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, did you want to comment on me? Or feeling good? Um, we did have, you know, I thought it would be disingenuous to not mention, we did have a couple of comments on the, the Steve Killian episode. Uh, Quillian, Killian, sorry, sorry, Steve, I'm trying to pronounce your name right. But the, uh, but the, the questions were, um, specifically about his router bit. Um, so it there was a big lead up to the router bit, no explanation to what was so strange about it. What was so strange about the router bit. And, uh, Richard and I were talking before the episode, we were, we were thinking potentially it was talking about like Steve had a problem with the router bit that, that was in existence. And then, yeah, I think the, what it was right. The common router bits he was finding from like, I guess, I don't know, big box stores or where he was looking for them, but they weren't the right profile of the historic sash detail. So that OG profile, he's saying he couldn't match it. And and we... <laughs> Brent, you just had a fundamental problem with him forming together his own routery instead of just designing a... Routery. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a word? Yeah, I mean... No one. It felt jerry-rigged to you, I think. Was yes. The, no one who's serious about making a stork sash is thinking that they're going to go to a router bit store and get the router bits they're going to match the stork profile. Mm. That, that's what. It, that's just just like. Yeah. You got to be kidding me, because the the depth on an stork profile on a on a router bit is is you know and and what you'd have to do is you have to get a mashing set, mm -hmm. so you'd have to get a coping set, mm -hmm. and so yet that that copes the 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 negative, and so. Um, it just it's just like what yeah i think what he was doing from what i seen was like repairs on site and trying to match stuff up from what i could tell hmm. so but yeah i know you make all your stuff with shapers and cut knives and everything so just a different yeah i mean it's just again but i said no one that's serious like like he's he was in business doing window restoration i'm just like you know it, it's not that expensive to, to get the knives made cheap cheap shaper and and to get the knives made it's just mm -hmm. like if you're going to be doing this all the time mm -hmm. why would you yep. sit there practicing with a you know off the shelf router bit it's just yeah. you can see that i'm dumbfounded that, yeah. that you're, you're frustrated y'all you know, have two like, fundamentally you, different approaches. why would you do that yeah i think he's trying to put a solution to a problem that he sees uh, both of you guys see right and then he is at the, his solution is not the route that you've gone. Uh, yours is more traditional. His is less orthodox. So, um, no, his is very orthodox. Mine's less. Mine's traditional. Traditional. Okay. His is. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. Well, moving on the, uh, we've got, uh, <laughs> you don't want to keep talking about that. Well, that was my, I, <laughs> I wanted on. to mention it. I wanted to talk about it in passing, but the, I wanted to go to kind of where we left off last time, which was, why don't you start there? Um, so we've got uh, a lot of uh, questions on our episode about the White House. Um, and, you know, an initial comment, this is episode 18, the White House. 
uh, one, Ryan Sue, who we mentioned last time, they didn't know Truman rebuilt the White House. Did they know about the big dig of 2010? Um, my answer is no. I have no idea about the dig, big dig. Do you, mm. know big dig? What it, what, you know about the big dig? Oh, yeah. Okay, do you want to explain just a brief... Well, did you know Truman well, redid the White House? First off, Chris Johnson's... No, well, you did not know. And that showed in the video. Remember the... Oh, I didn't remember we, that. Well... Oh, we pulled up a, a picture of it. That's correct, you know, yeah. a we, picture of the White House. You just a shell and there's like a bulldoze, yeah, yeah. bulldozer going Inside, through. Inside, that yeah. that's Truman, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So then Chris Johnson's guess was... My understanding is that the rebuild was the exterior was generally left while the interior structure was completely rebuilt. Is that... Well, I think what happened was they they ended up rebuilding the uh, the 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 ground, the basement, and all that other stuff. Yeah, uh, that's what the big dig was. They, they they made it more safe. They made it because uh, I think one of the one of the I think when Bush was president and he was trying and the and and nine eleven happened, mm-hmm. uh, they were trying to. They realized how inept the whole system was because they couldn't communicate. They couldn't communicate very well, and it was just like, you know, some of the basic things that if they had they'd have been able to talk on the phone and figure out where he is, they could have figured a lot of stuff out. And Got so it. they re- had to redo all the comms and everything else. Cool. So that was the big dig. Yeah. All right. Well, interesting. So. Uh, you know, some other fun comments that we got about this episode was, uh, oh, no, <laughs> Ashley McMurray. Um, oh, no, this is hilarious, but I don't think it's supposed to be. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Ash- the, yeah, Ashley said that. <laughs> that's, that's your wife. <laughs> yeah. so, no, your oh, wife was commenting. She, on- I remember I walked in and I heard our voices and she was just dying laughing. Because so, we were, she was laughing at how we were just kind of trolling you. Like, for sure. I, yeah. I, I do want to like point out, like, yes, I think that like prior to some of the more recent episodes we've put out, this has been my favorite episode that we've ever done. Really? Yeah. Hands down. I just, I vividly remember having so much fun uh, yeah. with that episode, but it was also kind of like, you know, it was a quiz set up and oh, I you, forgot know, I quizzed you guys, you'd kind of put it together in that way. And I actually thought it was really funny going through, <laughs> through all <of> that <laughs> stuff. And I remember we were just cracking. We were cracking. Yeah. Right. And you were like, cause I said, George Wash, George Washington built the white house. So it's a Georgian. And you were like, First of all, George Washington did not. <laughs> it was so great. And I mean, there are just a lot of comments. She was also laughing at when we visited that uh, Italian Nate house. Yeah, yeah. Whenever we were. Most recent one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or, the, 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 yeah when we were out on the job. On the yeah, job, yeah. We were messing with him as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so You're seeing a theme here. <laughs> Loria uh, Azevedo5994 said... Uh, we can cheat looking at the back of his paper. <laughs> I think you were even <laughs> holding up the paper. Oh. <laughs> to see. Um, and then uh, Tanuki Digital said, uh, Brent, what style is the White House? Underlings. It's dot, dot, dot. Brent, wrong. <laughs> Underlings. <laughs> so what style is the White House? Brent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, did, I just remember that was like a really fun episode. Was, and and even just in the, you know, everyone, I think we mentioned this even like leaving off last time, just everyone's response to the short, which what style is the White House? You know, we got a litany of answers. And I think the the conclusion that we came to and the, that you led us to, I think was, you know, there's a lot of styles that go into play there. There's a lot of crap that's happened to the White House to where, you know, what did it start as? What has it turned into? What has it become? 
Um, and so that was, you know, just one of the themes there, but I do think that was a funny episode, uh, to, <laughs> to look back on. And I mean, it really was one of my favorite episodes. And so I had a question just in curiosity, like, is there an episode that sticks out in y'all's mind as like, uh, yeah, this was a, I actually, this is a really good one or maybe not. I mean, we used to, we used to have a lot more guests and, uh, I thought, what's his face was Dan. great. Dan, Dan Paris. <laughs> what's his face? Uh, I knew you guys would remember. And yeah, so, yeah. uh, you know, that I thought that was really interesting. Um, I enjoyed, uh, you know, I guess I would say, is there anybody that we want to invite on the thing? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I have invited a couple people and I'm trying to work it out, but it's just with how we film these and people's schedule, it's, mm -hmm. it's a little tough. Yeah. It's a tight, it's a tight window. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, so the guy I was inviting was Carpentry by Mar on Instagram. You follow him. I, I saw that you follow him, but he's like amazing. He does amazing like the stuff he puts together and like his miters and everything, it's nuts. Carpentry but by Mar. Carpentry by Mar. Yeah, he's like the biggest carpenter on Instagram. But I'm pulling him up. He actually, he wanted me to go look at a job for him in Dallas, and for one of his clients, and it's a small like day or two job. So we're gonna go knock that out um, pretty soon for him. But yeah, he said he'd be down to come, but he's in Chicago. He'd be a cool guest. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I, I, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what about you? Any guests you can think of? Man, I, I am way less versed in the field of uh, everything, but, uh, you know, I follow larger YouTubers and, and other stuff. So I, I think a guest that I would love to have on would be Stuart Hicks. I thought you were going to say that. I yeah. mean, I, I'm fascinated be. to hear, you know, what he thinks. He does architectural adjacent videos. He, um, does him in a lot of stuff. Like I think, you know, as I'm looking at channels and trying to think of who I want to be like, he's a, he's a channel that I really admire and look at, you know, how he makes his videos and how they come together. So I, I yeah. think he's an interesting one. I think he's in Chicago too. He is a Chicago Maybe we guy. do a yeah. remote episode. Do a road yeah. trip out? That'd be, that'd be cool. That would be cool. <laughs> Go to Chicago for a week. Um, here's a question from Kaizen Enterprise. Uh, this is on episode 17. This is the Bryn Hall interview. This is my guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's no way. yeah. Well, he says Brent. What do you mean he's your guy? He's working with he's us. Working with him. Oh, this is the, the guy. guy. Yeah. Oh, he cool. makes the Kaizen fence, the auxiliary fence for oh, all the oh, miners. Tom. Tom, yeah, his okay. company's Kaizen with his. Uh, he does the company with his daughter and uh, son-in-law. Okay, it's like a joining of their. I names. didn't know his last name, so yeah, Tom Johnson. Um, so it says Brent. So why is it called Kaizen? Because the it Kai is from them and the N is from Johnson. Got it. So they kind of like Schaus. Yeah, it's like Schaus or Barndominium. <laughs> it's like barn and condominium. Uh, Brent, at what part of your journey did you supply the trim on the house I was trimming for the Village Homes Better House and Gardens Idea House in 2000? Uh, you inspired me to start making my own trim for arched windows and cased openings. So I bought a hussy because you didn't want to let yours go. In fact, I still have that machine. Just need to change the feed wheels. Nice. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, a Williamson Husty is a is a little mini molder. Um, we used them a lot at North Bennett Street. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're still using them uh, to run short runs of moldings and things like that. Um, you can't really run hardwoods as, as well. They're they're just a little mini machine. Mm -hmm. yeah. you need a lot um, of power for that yeah. big profile. And, and so, um, so that's what he's talking about. Did he? Was the question what was the molding? What part of your journey did you supply the trim on the house I was trimming for Village Homes Better House yeah, and Gardens? It would have been idea house. really early. Um, I mean, 
that was, you know, I'd been in business less than 10 years. So I got back to Fort Worth in 93. So, you know, I had a bad partnership in 96 to 97 and a half. And then, uh, and then, uh, so I was on my own, but, uh, probably just starting to hang up my tool belt. Um, just starting to, you know, probably that was the end of that era when I was, uh, you know, still on site and yeah. stuff. Were you, were you making moldings at that point already? Like, were you whole millwork yeah. right there? Yeah, no, we had the, we had the shop. It would have been here. And, um, uh, I think we made a pulvinated freeze for that thing and some other short run things that, that were That's needed. cool that he and put so, them in. Uh, it is very cool. That's a, that's an amazing small world. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. It, amazing. It is kind of funny how it all full mm -hmm. circled. Um, so our next one, uh, is a question from episode 14 is the customer ever wrong. Um, and so this is, we got a, a series of stuff from Sparks McGee 6641. Um, but Sparks McGee asks or, or says, um, you know, sharing just kind of a tough experience. Cause we asked if anyone had had similarly tough experiences and he says, I've fired a few, a few clients. It's tough. I've got a couple of good stories that are beyond typing. I've run into a lot of people that just try and act like they know how to do things. Larger companies sent out people with all the right phrases. Um, the HVAC guy story is a good example. Remember, you actually have to have the skills to be the professional. Uh, I thought that was uh, an interesting point. So he's saying like the builders just sending people out. They like, And the guys are saying like, yeah, I could do that. And yeah, and they, they show up and, and they can't like, do it. I have no idea what I need to yeah. be doing. Yeah, of course we've all done that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So well, you got to market yourself a little bit at the beginning of your because. But not even market yourself. You you just want the job, so you're going to say you're going to do it. Then yeah, you're going to figure it out. Figure it out and yeah. try and piece it together. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so the the next one we're looking at is the episode on uh, do we need more places like 30A? So this was our planned urban development. Um. New urban development, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. New urban development. New urbanism, yeah. New urbanism. So it says, uh, this is by Big Red Greg 1. The first one. Uh, there are many Nebraska fan. <laughs> yeah. There are many classically designed traditional home plans that take up an affordable footprint and are adaptable to further enhancements akin to many of Brent Hull's concepts. Structure is important, but scale is also essential. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was an interesting comment because that is something that um, we've even talked about where we've gotten into this concept of bigger is often better. Um, or we've, we've bought into that lie. That like as a society, as a society, yeah. and especially here in the U S that the bigger is better. Um, and I, I think it's just such a interesting thing. He's saying there's many classically designed home plans that are affordable footprints and adaptable to further enhancements, um, to where we can actually take these things and turn them into good things or, or, you know, you're, you're buying a smaller house, but you're going to spend more money on moldings and on, you know, making things in the house itself mm -hmm. look beautiful. Um, which I just think is, is a, a thing that we can really adapt that, you know, people may not get behind immediately, but, but that is a very quick, you know, when you're talking affordability and you're talking that, that pull and push of everything, it's like, yeah, we've touched on this a lot. Like, yeah. um, you look at the neighborhoods, like the historic Fort Worth neighborhoods around here, mm -hmm. like they're mostly smaller houses that are very charming. Yeah. So it's kind of like reinventing the wheel that our forefathers had already did, you know, already invented. For like, sure. It would be awesome to make a new community of charming houses that are more affordable because of the square footage. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and we've yeah that'd be awesome i i agree I, I i just think that you know as as this guy and i try to to start doing these more entry-level houses we are looking almost always to what they did you know 100 years ago and how they were how they are making their houses so charming mm-hmm. and, and we're looking at going you know what can we steal from that what can we what can we learn from that really the how we live has changed i mean you know there's a lot of empty nester people mm-hmm. right now who want to you know slow down want to have a smaller house but so the but they won't move into a 1920s you know you know period revival house because it's too choppy it isn't open enough enough you don't have the bedroom mm-hmm. the bathrooms are too small the closets are too small so if you can take that same you know 1800 2200 square foot and make it efficient and make it work for there's a huge market there totally um but we are learning from the past yeah i think this episode just on the you know the craft of a city is what it's titled ever episode 16 um i think that it that struck a nerve or a chord with a lot of people not a nerve it everyone was like agreeing <laughs> uh with a lot of the stuff that we're saying here and so there's a lot of good just feedback and ideas and other things that that people have like spurned on from this so i wanted to read out some of the highlight comments here um, I think maybe the best opportunity, a good old house in a cool neighborhood, uh, is to move to a small town. There's a great old house stock in small towns all over the place. Most small towns have good high speed internet this days, these days. And if you can work remotely, that's where it's at. If you're moving out of a, a city, you could likely live mortgage free. Um, so yeah, that's a hundred percent true. I can't tell you how many small towns I drive by and go, Oh, look at these houses. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just, they haven't been torn down. I mean, one thing that made Colonial Williamsburg work was because it was the capital and then everybody left, went to Richmond, I think. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and you know, it just got left there. And because it got left there, Natchez, Mississippi is another example, yeah. you know, just the, you have these incredible historic houses because the town became this sleepy little town. And there wasn't development. Development didn't tear down houses. And the flippers couldn't get in. Yeah, the flippers couldn't le- get in. There. And so um, that's a great comment. We went up to um, north of Possum Kingdom not too long ago. I think it's called Graham. Graham. Yeah, there's some really yeah. cool Yeah, Graham's a good example. Yeah. So the, it's it's funny. This is about a different episode, but a guy is saying just the exact same stuff that we're, we're talking about and like the things that we're seeing in this episode on the door cost episode. It says, maybe you all have spoken. This is John Bunger. I don't Sorry. Sorry, John. Uh, maybe you all have spoken to this, and I just haven't heard it yet, but I think the thing that's missing from this conversation is the scale of the house. So much money is wasted on square footage. Cost per square foot adds up so fast. I think the first conversation you have with a client should be about the size of the house and design for that matter, instead of spending budget on things like more shingles, siding, flooring, drywall, et cetera. Let's scale back to more simple designs that are easier to build and not so big. Then you have the budget and have the high quality and details in the millwork. Would love to hear a conversation on this topic. Thanks for everything. Um, I think we actually, in recent episode, that was episode four. So I see you're catching up, John, and I appreciate that. But um, I think we've had probably three different episodes where we've mentioned square footage and started talking through mm-hmm. that. And we, we even talk about mansions and what is a mansion. I mean, it's one of the themes of the show. So, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's something that as he continues to listen, he'll learn a lot of that. For sure. Um, so this next one's from TC9148. There's 9,147 other TCs out there. So uh, glad you snagged 9148. Love the discussion. 
Where these planned communities go wrong for me is where there is a forced integration of single family homes on very small lots, apartment buildings, condo, townhome units, and retail shopping. It ends up being a mishmash of all the architecture and people seeking out different living styles with conflicting lifestyle goals. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Can you say it again? I, what? I'm not so sure he's saying. Essentially, he's saying, saying you, you, so it says where these planning communities go wrong is where there's a forced integration of single family homes on very small lots, apartment buildings, condos, townhomes, units, and then retail shopping. And so you end up having a lot of different people that want different goals and want different things. Because one of the things we were talking about in these planned urban developments is you have a everything that you need within walking distance of each other. But that's what he just described. Correct, but he's describing <laughs> That's what it. I'm thinking. I like it. I he's, like it. I think he's describing it in like the in the uh, unaffordable sense or the un- the affordability sense. Like I just think of like the apartment building that I lived in with uh, Natalie when we first moved up to Denver. We were in like the heart of DTC, but we were what's DTC? Sorry, the Denver Technical Center. And so, oh, Mr. Agronam. <laughs> oh well, um, but I'm in ministry, <laughs> right? And uh, the the neighborhoods surrounding us are you know one million dollar homes to seven million dollar homes. And we were just in a weird spot where there were these very affordable apartment buildings right next to all this stuff. So the retail shopping didn't align with the single family homes that we lived in. But but here's the deal. I think what he's describing and what you're describing mm-hmm. is sprawl. Yeah. Okay. That's not a mixed use development where like, no, you're like right. a new urban development. You're right. So so if you're mm-hmm. if, if if what you're describing what he's describing that, that that is a problem, and it and it and it's a uh, you know a factor that happens when we sprawl out, yeah. Because you have these you know you know uh, you know uh, million dollar gated communities, right? Mm-hmm. And but but because of the way the city zones that, they have to have affordable housing in there, yeah. So then the multifamily comes in, and you get dropped in there, and you're like, I can't afford anything around me, right? It's because of the the math that the city says that, well, if you're going to be, you can't just build all million dollar houses. You mm-hmm. got to have things for, and so they're trying to uh, create a, a community where things can work together, but it never, it doesn't work. Yeah. And so yeah. anyway, it, it's, it's, I think what we were describing is actually uh, a dense because he's saying it's too dense, but I'm saying it's, it needs to even be more dense that the, that the neighborhoods that are the best, mm-hmm. that that have the the most charm to them, are the historic neighborhoods where there are where there is a mixed use. Mm-hmm. The schools and the stores and all those things are within walking distance, and so that's so dense. You're, you're just saying you're saying more concentration of like the retail stores and, and like the schools and the po- like. Well, those I mean, it gets down to walkability. Yeah, because I mean, you absolutely. didn't have walkability For where sure you were, not. and so because the city of Denver was built upon cars and so i think that's a a a big missing factor of everything where so many cities you know west of the mississippi are built on cars right and so because because the south especially grows up after air conditioning becomes available after 1950 yeah and you know it's all all about the car you know it's a fascinating story i don't know if we talked about it before in another episode um do you need to get that are you i'm sorry it's our uh it's our uh we're trying to do a podcast would you like to yeah it's Brittany. it's Brittany who's trying to see if we're gonna be here all right i'll answer later um is uh no i believe oh is detroit welcome back and detroit was this (laughs) welcome back um incredible city that had these trolleys all over the place and gm 
went in there and said, we don't want more trolleys. We want people to drive cars. And they totally changed the makeup of how Detroit was laid out. No way. It was one of the best cities in America <sighs> for uh, mass transit trolleys and getting around. Detroit came in and said, yeah, we don't really, really want that thing. And so it, it was reminded of that because how important the car is as far as how cities develop. Mm -hmm. And we bailed them out. Yeah. That's yeah. horrible. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that one struck a nerve with people. Jeremy13191 um, said, uh, come on, 40 views and two likes. So he was like, felt like this is an awesome episode. I really like this. Why is it so low liked? Whatever. Make new accounts and Gary, like talk it. to YouTube. I don't know. I, or I said, Jeremy, talk to YouTube. Let him know. Um, so next one is on, uh, it's a clip from our Why Insulated Glass Can't Be Beautiful episode. Um, so episode 11. Uh, this is from Elwin Van Wees, 8516. Uh, my first reaction is to get on my high, high horse and start ranting about... How can you have single pane glass in this day and age? However, I can get behind your argument that the actual glass pane is not an extreme energy loss item as long as the window itself has an airtight installation. Now, my question is, can your 100-year window be installed with an airtight install? Is there more thermal efficient glass pane that does last longer than described 10 to 20 years? To clarify, the parts of your argument I very much like is that we want to make a window that lasts five to 10 times longer than a modern window. The part I'm still skeptical about is the aesthetics trump function. Can there be a thermally efficient window that will last 100 years that also doesn't look bad? And we did talk about this a little bit last episode, but I just think, you know, very detailed question. I think is a really good one from Elwin. So, well, I mean, it, look the 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 whole window thing is a uh, we'll see conundrum whacked up in an enigma, whatever that thing yeah, is. Enigma wrapped inside of a question mark. So, no, um, that's not it either. Um, All boiled down to a riddle. <laughs> uh it, it's it's really complicated because we all get you know renewal by anderson things in our in our email or in our mailbox every day nearly and when it's just like they're saying well it can be more energy efficient it can cost less it can it's be an indoctrination this this it is and, and it is there's so much information out there that isn't accurate and isn't it isn't even true sometimes mm -hmm. it's no wonder that that she's confused and that she's like well how can you put it? i mean for her to say my first reactions again how in this day and age can we do single pane glass yeah i look back and go how in this day and age can you not and so he's just like yeah. are you kidding uh, i so, think elwin is a man potentially elwin van winkle you said her anyway. <laughs> elwin it's kind of a fun name um you think that's a man? Van Wees, so it's probably like Dutch. Oh, so uh, Elwin is, I would say, you know, how can you not? And mm -hmm. so it, it is so many people have misinformation mm -hmm. that when you actually point out what's true, they don't believe it. Mm -hmm. It's just there's so much, so many industry forces pushing against the single pane glass that when you actually say, Actually, it's actually really good. They go, no, it can't be. Look it's at all these ads I've been, got. Yeah, it's yeah. Been only because they've been hearing about it for mm -hmm. so long. And so, if, so we're actually going to pivot. This is an episode on marketing. So if you want to. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's just like it, it, I'm reading a lot about processed foods. Okay. And doctors are finally coming out. Not finally coming out. There's finally. been a lot of studies coming out showing how how one reason why we're over overweight, we have these problems, is because of our processed food. 
and the processed food industry is freaking out because, and that's the, you know. Did you see their lawsuit against the FDA? No. The FDA was going to say something about processed foods and like three companies came out and were like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's that exact same kind of thing. It's like the food pyramid. The food pyramid is the, is the worst thing. I mean, dairy is number two or something. I mean, just, just all these carbohydrates. Number one, it's just, it's just the worst (laughs) diet and management for you. I don't know if it's the worst, but you're right. It is wrong. Like a lot of dietitians have come out and said, do not follow the food pyramid. So, but the point is, is that, uh, yes. And understood. And so, it's the same thing. It's the same, it's the, thing, it's the same thing as the fast food thing, trying to turn that ship around when we've been going for 50 years or 30 years, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just like, wait, what? You've been telling me this for what? Yeah. And so, yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, that's, that's great. Um, but yeah, I appreciate the question, Owen. That's really good. Uh, so uh, here we go. This is a, this is a comment that I, I just think is really good. Um, I want to hear it. <laughs> It's about you, isn't it? It's not about me. <laughs> Great guess. Hi, Brent. Great discussion on the... We're also here, Ryan Sue. Okay. <laughs> Great discussion on the benefits of having open conversations with clients. Richard also made a great comment on how it's important to treat everyone with respect, whether a million-dollar client or a new man on the ladder. Um, I would also like to add kudos to you both for treating your YouTube viewers with respect and actually responding to their comments and suggestions. I've always felt that if someone is going through the trouble of creating a YouTube channel, then filming, editing, and posting videos, they should make the effort of answering at least a few of the pertinent questions or suggestions. Technically, a person's YouTube channel is their second business. Therefore, their viewers are technically their clients. The viewer may not be paying them money for physical work, but the people watching are never spending are spending their time listening to what you have to say and therefore learning something. Appreciate what you have told them, and will, they will take the time to let you know. Too many YouTubers ask for comments and questions, but never reply to anyone. So I'd like to thank you both for taking the time to respond and offer valuable advice. Wow, um, thank you. Yes, very wait, high praise, wait, but also- I didn't think you responded to yours. No, I started again. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got a little salty there for a little bit, but hey, then, that's fair. You got to yeah, take those. Yeah, it was like a. If you're you get, so, you get so many things. things. I don't know how you respond to all. I of them. don't respond to all of them. Like yeah. that last one is like at 650 comments. This I'm is just like, like a, just a tip for you guys. Like, yeah, I would ask Ryan real quick. So when you have 650 comments, is your expectation as a viewer to that he would respond to all of them? Well. I no, obviously not. But if the pertinent que- like Ryan's asking very good questions. Ryan asks good questions, and so like if you're asking good questions, you you can expect a good answer. But also just to put you guys on on this train, when you're filtering by YouTube comments, and I just figured out about this, you filter you can also put a filter on there by question, so you can see it, it and YouTube checks if there's a question mark in your question in in your question. So good punctuation will actually help you get your question answered. Um, and I know that is how I have these currently filtered. Um, and I'm switching back between just comments and then comments with questions to make sure that we're hitting pertinent questions that people have asked, but I'm sure we're going to miss some anyway, just thought that would be a helpful tip because you respond to all of yours. I respond to all of mine, but I, you know, it's easier. Yeah. I mean, I get, yeah. 20 or 30, 40, you've been getting more. You've been getting more, I saw. Well, I, I just thought that was funny because we've taken eight months to respond on this channel uh, to a lot of these videos. And I know we're doing it now, but I do think, uh, you know, high praise, but also I thought it would be funny. I honestly thought that would get way more laughs from you guys than I didn't get any, but it was a very sweet comment. <laughs> um, so uh, the next one, uh, this one is, I think, fascinating. So this is from When Did Craft Die and Who Killed It, our episode. Um, so this is by a guy named David Kasky. Um, when Did Craft Die? 
It started shortly after the electric handsaw became mass-produced. At least, it seems to coincide with the dates that Brent mentions. That, that was crazy. Is that true? Like, I don't know, but um, if that was the case, why would that be... Why would that be the case? Because people are not, you know, putting labor in? Or no, what? I don't think so. I think you can still do craft with power tools. Right. So you have a festival. Shout out festival. Yeah. New so, sponsor, baby. Yeah, you can do. <laughs> you can do. Shameless plug. Yeah. Shameless. Well, I'm not actually sponsored. I, I'm. Yeah. I'm talking with them really? about partnership. I mean, we're in a kind of a partnership thing yeah, cool. we're going into, but. Um, I'm still kind of a free agent right now. You know, <laughs> free you, on the market. Yeah. You should be wrapped up by a t uh, by a company like Festool. Yeah. That would be the one to do it too. But I think I mean because they care about craft. They're not just they throwing, do throwing stuff out there. Yeah, and then they're amazing. Like I've got a whole van full of it almost now, and I'm like, there's so much more to get. But <laughs> life goals. Yeah. The. The comment about like, I think that kind of coincides. Like, all right, power tools are here, so craft is dead. I don't think that at all. I mean, we're either. still doing craft stuff right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a, there's a coincidence. Maybe it's not a coincidence that now you can mass produce crap. You know, I, I think that it's it's hard to um, be a great craftsman if if you don't know how to use hand tools. Yes, um, I think that you know you can do craft but you can't be a great craftsman without mm -hmm. being able to have you know use a you know lowering a block plane and be able to sharpen tools and be able mm -hmm. to you know have chisels and just you know um i don't think you can do precision work without yeah it. there's some stuff you need a chisel to get in a tight spot there's yeah. no tool for that yet so no i don't think it i don't think that i think it just with the availability to for every yahoo to be like i'm a carpenter you know like yeah. they, they can buy it and yeah the barrier to entry is pretty low but uh to be good mm -hmm. takes time also just a tip for when you're asking questions on youtube videos if you're referring to a specific thing that was said you know we were making 45 minute long videos here and so it's helpful with a timestamp if you want to do that no pressure but so what are these about you about? uh they're just they're just they're, they're kind of i think they're helpful he comments, doesn't want to say i mean no. very yeah, interesting he's kind of avoiding isn't he they, they yeah. should have been an earlier episode knowing jackson's story makes a lot more sense now to the apprentice role he's playing um they got okay role so yeah. um <laughs> didn't want to, i didn't want to put him on well blast. this is, might have been the guy who thought you would have been an expert being his son yeah you no know? that this is uh i don't want to say his name now that i've called out his grammar um <laughs> JP9383 says, I sense the apprentice would make a great pastor. Don't take my word for it, but consider praying about it. Um, that's a good comment. That's just because I've mentioned my past with... Uh, yeah, what your, your ministry. Youth ministry, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm doing. Um, my past, my current. Uh, anyway, and then, uh, you know, hold on, still processing. I'm still processing your comment here. It says, very fortunate kid to have so many people interested in his future while guiding and supporting him. You know, some would call me a man, but you know, <laughs> some might say it's a bit coddling, but, but truthfully, it's what every young person deserves. You know, again, a young person. Um, <laughs> this kid has a kid. Yeah, by the way. I do have a kid. Uh, that, that kind of security and love allows people to reach their full potential. I completely agree. I think I've got an insanely great support system around me, and so I'm super blessed to have it. So I, I do feel really honored by that and uh, really blessed by that. So it's, Heck yeah. it's exciting. Um, so that's really cool. And then we had another one, but I responded to it. That's the other filter that you can put on here is like, I haven't responded to these. So, uh, it's a great episode. Always inspired by the raw interaction between you three. 
Uh, more so knowing there's a faith element behind it slash in front of the craft. Brent's the sole reason I'm currently attending North Bennett Street School, currently three months into wow. year one. It's been quite the journey. Look forward to Who moving. This is uh, A.M. Lopez, 9619. Um, I have to say hi to him when I go to North Bennett Street. Yeah. It, uh, A. Lopez, it appears. You're um, a recruiter. So it says, cool. <laughs> uh, it's been quite the journey. I look forward to moving back to Texas and God willing, working for slash with you all. So. There you go. Looking for a job. We're always in a field. looking for guys like that. So yeah, that would there, be awesome. There's a factor worthy to mention, in my opinion, in regards to experiencing the true North Bennett Street experience. Uh, so, saying if you want to experience all of it, you got to do this. Uh, that would be anticipating having a great deal of initiative on your behalf with self-study. Although it's been great this far, it's impossible to get the full exposure and experience of it all due to our natural limitations. I bring this up being that I anticipated so much to this point and needless to say, there's never enough time. So great advice for Jackson would be to start reading up and everything your father has in his great library. Brent was kind enough to send me a link to an arsenal of reading material and I have ever since added to it, added more to it. I keep looking forward to all that content you guys make. Wow. Um, that's awesome so again nice. like not a lot of questions there but i think a lot of great yeah. feedback and, and you know encouraging comments so um kind of fun so those are your those were yours those were yours. mine uh so give me one more second to to go back uh to the where where i was yeah let's get back to ours where, where no. yeah <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> let's get back to hey, the good Richard, ones yours hasn't uh yours hasn't popped yet on youtube no, so it, once it comes out on youtube we'll get some uh some good ones so uh, you know, Dan Parrish was a was a favorite episode. We're now down to down to his thing. Um, so, Richard, um, in our Dan Parrish episode, uh, you were called out. Yeah, like more than once, like twelve <laughs> times, yeah. uh, all by Sparks McGee. So, Sparks, thanks for calling oh, him okay. higher. I thought you were talking about Brent and Dan. Oh, calling yeah, me out. No, he's tag team. Oh, okay. He's getting in on it as well. He is. Uh, you know, Brent reached his hand outside the ring. Sparks McGee is tapped in and, uh, you know, here we go. So, uh, Rich, he's very, very familiar with you. I'm assuming. Yeah, that's okay. fine. Rich, raise your minimum charge. Obviously you have the mentor to help you grow. So that side's covered. Get your average job from last year. It's like the cost of your average job. That's now your new minimum. Of course you can make exemptions, uh, and exceptions with old clients, but every year with this method, your revenue will go up. Stop doing it when you have to digest the level you're at. So I never heard. Yeah, that. I guess you could. You can only go up when you can offer more, though, because like I, I can't I, just be like, all right, well, now, you know, I'm two hundred dollars an hour. But I think, you know, you've already said, especially in the last episode, your business has changed. You're not doing the same stuff. And those right. other people got it on the cheap. And so, yeah, yeah. you know, you, I think you've answered the call that, that we kind of challenged you with. Yeah, I feel you like got two employees now. Yeah. You, two more employees. We have a we have two, and then a third kind of temporary guy helping us out. Yeah, so I yeah. mean, you're, you're you're now to five guys. It was just you and John. Burgers so, and fries. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just it's you are answering the call. It's cool. It's awesome. And it's cool because I'm seeing your project managers hand me more stuff. Like, hey, you know, now that there's four of y'all, take this, take yeah. this. You know, it's like that is. Cool. I'm just telling you, you could probably have ten guys. All right. You're hired. No. <laughs> I know, I'd be honored. You're not. I'm canceling your flight. Great. No. <laughs> Strap up a tool belt. Let's get going. Um, so this is just kind of funny. Sparks is comments like five times throughout this video. And it, you know, his name's Roger, it appears. And, uh, you know, he's clearly wanting the best for you in this. 
But he goes, all right, look, I'm on a job and I'm walking over to the phone to comment. <laughs> Specialize on a single fun. room, wine cellars, theaters, kitchen office, libraries, closets, mudroom. He's got timestamps. He's got these. all kinds of advice for you. He's That's giving all sorts of advice. Um, you can grow to Dan's level becoming the guy for wine cellars and card rooms means only working and uh, learning in houses that have those rooms. Once you level of branch jobs, you're only working with people on a team uh, and the amount you learn will be drinking from a fire hose. Uh, from the ranch project videos I saw, you get a dose of what that's like. Heck, the roofing crew lead could have 20 years of experience building furniture and help you out with a problem. Um, so he's saying like, you know, guys who have been in the industry long enough have just are seeing yeah. stuff, I guess. And he comments again. Uh, Dan's comment about undoing bad decisions from the other side, having made it past that problem. First, you have to recognize a bad decision. You'll always feel like the situation that created the problem Putting out fires is dealing with a decision that's gone bad most of the time, but usually becomes someone as uh, usually someone sees it as others falling short. The supplier, the materials, the trades, etc. But usually it's from a, a something happening beforehand. Um, and then comments again. Forty nine minutes in, safety first. Uh, first day, I, I tell new hires that they can tell me to stop what I'm doing if I'm not following safety rules or doing something unsafe. If a group is working together and someone is working unsafe, everybody gets written up. If you're to the point where someone stops you and someone and uh, the other one is already bringing over what you need to do, do it safely. You're in a good place. If someone stops you, everyone is just standing there. You have some work to do. Is there questions in any of this? I don't think in that one. Sorry. I I think they were calling out Richard. This one is another rich. Lastly, Dan's (laughs) comment that you don't have to promise 40 hours a week, a year to hire someone is key. If you're uh, if you're hiring them, they're looking for a change and understand it's performance based. Put in a six-month and a 12-month review. Let all the other employees vote on keeping the hire on. Makes everyone understand it's a team. Has to be documented as a part of the hiring process. If a hire doesn't win, the employee vote, the boss doesn't even have to think about it. You'll end That's up, very organized. Yeah. Yeah. You'll end up letting skilled people go, but letting them stay is a cancer in the company. Good luck, Roger. Um, I think it's good advice. That's you know? well, yeah, noted. I'll take your advice. Yeah. Yeah, I... Um, so, I mean, just, you know, this is this is YouTube, so it's a little bit behind. It's about 20 episodes behind our Patreon, mm-hmm. and so there has been updates that we've given, but just to reiterate on them, will you hit them again? What's the, the situation? You got three new guys. Yeah, it's really two, uh-huh. and then the third guy is helping us, um, and he's full-blown, got all his stuff, you know, sorted out. So he's been a huge help. And then, like I was just saying, like they're – project manager are now seeing like okay you have more mm-hmm. hands i can give you more stuff and so before when it was just me and john like that works for a small operation but to, the honest truth is like you can't really with the timelines you can't there's no way you can get stuff done in the time that they want it with just two people yeah so you almost just have to you're forced to grow you yeah. know and i know a lot of carpenters just work on their own which i'd never understood that mm-hmm. like i could like how do you hold up the other piece you know? yeah like that's tough so it's been a, a fun little journey so overall like where are you at in the in the journey of like are you gonna try and add more guys or are you feeling good about where you're at right now or do you like i feel good in 10 does, does that not scare you but is that like eh, i don't really need 10 well he must know stuff that i don't know because mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> you know obviously you do i don't know what all well, I mean, have I, I'll tell up. you, I'll tell you, I mean, we have, uh, probably three to four trim crews that work for us. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of them is unreliable for sure. Um, one of them is 
suspect as far as uh, the quality of stuff that we can get. And so I looking at your competition going, gosh, if, if you can continue to, 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 to you know, uh, perform at the level you're performing at, we'd just assume push those guys out and let you have all of it. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's, that speaks to the quality of guy you got. They speaks to that. You do what you say you're going to do that, that your you guys love working with you that, that, you know, there's, so there's a lot of things. And like one of these other guys, he's a, actually paying the butt to work with. He just can't stand working with them. His guys are good, but his, he, his ownership is, is terrible. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's just realize that you're, uh, and, and anybody listening out there, there's opportunity here, right? there, you know, to perform at a high level, realize that, that there, there may be guys who have their foot in the door with the company, but the fact is, is if you can perform and do what you say you're going to do, do it on time, do it on budget that you say, you know, it's, it's just a huge deal. Capitalism, mm-hmm. baby. <laughs> it, it's not even capitalism. It is, it is, uh, you know, being an honest, you know, you know, person and working hard. Right. Yeah. It's just, and it's not like, I got to know this or I got to get, have this tool or I got to, you know, I've got to be at this. No, it's just one job at a time doing what you say you're going to do mm-hmm. along obedience in a it. similar direction. Mm-hmm. It's great. Super helpful. Well, uh, send your applications w- to, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're about three months in to a, you know, 10 month, 11 month period of, uh, of comments. And I, I think, you know, we've, we've done some good work digging through this and, um, I'm going to do my best to, to go back and answer the questions that we've answered. And I may just drop a, Hey, we left a long explanation in one of our Patreon video or in our, in our videos. So go check it out on Patreon if you want to see it immediately. But, um, we thank you guys for the questions. We thank you for the comments. Um, now that we know this existed, I literally found this two days ago. So, um, that's, that's our bad for not, not being up with it, but, uh, we're going to stay more active on it and we'll stay on top of it. So thank you guys for watching. Uh, thanks for being part of this and, and feel free to leave some comments, um, in future videos. We, we want to answer them. I think, uh, the dialogue is really, it's easy. Like that's the fun part of this. And so if we're missing something, y'all bringing up a question is huge, right? Like, cause that's the, where we can lean in and give it a specific answer to what you want to hear. And so, um, I think we've had some good ones in this session, but, uh, thanks for listening.